and welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. I am on episode 20, (laughs) almost a year in, and my goal of once a week has not solidified properly in this first year, but as you know, if you 35 to 40 of you who have been listening. (laughs) Actually, I've had quite a few downloads and I'm very thankful for that. I only have uh, just under 50 permanent subscribers and, you know, I'd like to gather more who like to listen every time, but if that's not you, that's okay. I'm just here to give information and share what I have learned and share my experiences. Um, But anyway, if you have been listening or if you've ever listened, you will know that uh, I've been in quite a bit of transition. And so, um, you know, I've also learned that living this nomadic lifestyle, you don't always know when you're going to have time. You don't always have a good cell connection. You don't always have a good Wi-Fi connection. There isn't always the opportunity to do this. And while, yes, I can just record it on my phone and I don't have to have any of those connections at that moment, um, I tend to want to do it when I'm able to also do the upload. But I have recorded a couple of podcasts in the interim since my last one over a month ago, and I have not yet uploaded them at all. One of them somehow ended up with about a minute and 20 seconds of dead air right in the middle. And so I do have to do a little editing to that, even though my typical MO is to try not to do editing uh, or as little as possible because it's just time consuming and I just don't have the time. But I figured that I really shouldn't just pop that one up there with a minute and 20 seconds of dead air right in the middle. Because one, it's confusing. Two, um, who wants to sit through a minute and 20 seconds of dead air (laughs) waiting to see if there will be something on the other side of it? So so this one's going to be out of sequence, and that's okay too, because, you know, that's how life works. Um... So we have done two weeks of BLM dispersed camping, boondocking, as it were, and I wasn't sure that I had the facility to be able to do that effectively, and I find that, yes, I can, but because I work remotely, I do need also to have a good cell service connection And I like to be close enough to a place where there is a robust Wi-Fi connection if my cell service somehow tanks and I need to get to Wi-Fi quickly. So that has worked well. I have um, done some little maiden voyage on that and we've done our first two-week boondocking stint and that has worked out great. Some of the things that I've learned because learning every day is very important and One of the beautiful things about this lifestyle is every day is different to some degree and every day has a learning curve. So there is no stagnation. There is no getting used to doing the same Groundhog Day thing over and over without change and 
that means that your mind is always being stimulated. You're always working. You are always puzzling something out. You're always planning for uh, making something better or changing something. And those, I think, are all good things. There are definitely downsides. And uh, part of why I don't edit or part of why I do this the way I do it is I want to show that it is just living and there are downsides and it's not all glamour and glitz and, um, you know, expensive rigs because not everybody has that. Not everybody can do that. And, um, you know, some people think they can't do this because they have to keep the job and all of that. And that is true if you need the job. But I have thankfully been able to work a way that I am still working the job and am also able to do this. The downside of that is I am still stuck to a regular work week, daytime, looking at a computer screen, doing work for someone. It's actually work that I enjoy, so that's nice, but um, it does mean that I'm not free to explore during those hours. So in that way, I still don't have complete freedom, but in a very real way, I have so much more freedom than I did have because in the evening we can explore before dark and on weekends I can be places that are not just the house that I had been living in for so many years we can be in a different town for two weeks. We can be then in another different town for two weeks. We can be in another town for a month. We can move wherever we want to move right now while we are enjoying this time of travel and still do the job and still get to enjoy things. So I'm sharing about the food, yes, but I also want to share about the experiences and the difficulties uh, about food when these things are going on. Um, my fridge just turned on and you might hear that in the background. That is one of the things that can cause a bit of difficulty in this lifestyle and you do have to have a way to store your food. I, as you know if you've been listening, started with a cooler, an ice cooler, and that for me was really not a sustainable way to keep cold food cold and I found it to be more expensive than I would like because with a Coleman cooler like I had it was a couple of days and then I have to get ice so every couple of days I was getting ice even with the more robust coolers like a Yeti or Orca or Grizzly or any number of brands that are on the market those have a thicker wall typically they tend to have a two and a half to three inch insulated foam wall all the way around and a insulated lid same they are bulky because they take up extra room because they've got three to four two and a half to three inches of wall all the way around which makes them bigger than they actually are as far as the storage availability. Um, that's okay if you have the space to store it and you can typically go about a full week between ice trips 
but um, you're still having to spend the money every few days to a week on ice. And some places, a seven to 10 pound bag of ice is $3. So when I was picking up ice every two days, then I'm spending $14 a week for ice. And that adds up when you get to a month or a six month or a year period of time. So I went with the fridge and the difficulty there is keeping it charged. So what have I learned on this trip about that? I have learned that fixed solar is oh so much preferable to portable solar panels. I have one portable solar panel. It is a 160 watt panel. It is the EcoFlow brand. We chose EcoFlow because the battery itself is so much faster to charge. If you have shore power wall plug-in outlet somewhere, you can plug that battery and be from zero to 100 in just over an hour. With Bluetti or Jackery or um, Goal Zero or any number of those other brands, they have the same wattage capacity, but they take six to eight hours at, with a plug, a wall outlet to charge. To me, that does not work. So we went with EcoFlow. So on my solar panel, my battery takes 12 hours to go from zero to fully charged if I have really good robust sun. It tells you what the input is in watts. And when I have really good sun, I'm getting 110 watts of input to charge my battery. And when there is not so much robust sun or there's a little bit of cloud or it's later in the day when the sun starts to wane, I'm getting 7 to 45 watts of input. And my fridge uses 30 to 60 watts of output at any given moment. So I'm fighting the output with lower input at all times. What that has meant is I have to be here at the vehicle all day on a sunny day with the portable battery and the portable solar panel connected to each other, solar panel sitting in the sun. What does that mean? That means you can't go anywhere. <laughs> because you are stuck to sitting in the spot where your portable panel can be sitting in the sun. So on a day when you could go somewhere, if you're having to charge your battery, you can't go because you have to charge your battery. So those are some of the difficulties and some of the challenges. I tend to plan for that and I take the battery to the library and charge it when I need to so that if I'm going to be somewhere and I don't want to have to sit and babysit my solar panel, I can do that and still be able to go and roam and check things out when I want to. So that means that fixed solar is immensely desirable <laughs> over 
portable solar. Now, portable solar is always good to also carry around, but uh, I we have always planned to, at some point, add fixed solar. The question was whether or not we were going to also raise the roof of the van and then put the solar. Uh, and we still have not yet answered that question. Um, we, you know, so it, for now, we live with it the way it is. And that's fine too. But it does create a larger, unique set of challenges. And we were just discussing today that, you know, part of it is just a mental um, game, a, a mental preparation. There is a mental aspect to this lifestyle. There is a mental aspect to wrapping your mind around the way it is and to knowing that you're trading some ease, some luxury, some comfort for rugged freedom. And for us, for right now, that's worth the trade-off. And for some people, it is not. So that's the, you know, the mental thing. You've got to figure out where you're at. <laughs> and you know, as all of the people who are trying to help others and, and life coaches and whatever they're trying to help coach someone to do, the biggest first question is, what is your why? Why do you want to do it? Why is this going to work for you? And if you don't have a why, if you don't know the answer to your why, then these things that can trip you up will often derail you because you don't have a strong why, then the difficulties that you encounter are not going to seem worth the trouble. Um, so, you know, that's all I can say. I have a pretty strong why. I have multiple reasons in my why. And um, one of them, the top one at this point, is freedom exploration that I have wanted to do my entire life and hadn't yet done. So, uh, if freedom is your why, then I think that's pretty strong and, uh, you can probably do it too, but you need to know for cooking, you need the right storage for food. If you are not going to use a cooler or a fridge, then you need to learn what you can carry and what you can make without cooking. There are plenty of no-cook methods and there are plenty of shelf-stable foods that you can carry. But I was talking to a local nomad a couple of days ago about that and these were, um, we were talking with another couple of people who actually live in regular cars. They're just car camping, camping, uh, car and SUV. They don't have as much room, they don't carry any kind of cooler or any kind of fridge and they don't eat fresh raw foods almost ever. And from my standpoint, part of the reason that I started this whole thing was to help people learn and understand how you can still eat healthy, you can still eat good raw vegetables, you can still eat good cooked vegetables if you have that facility, and you don't have to only eat um, dead food, which is already cooked or, or industrially processed and packaged in a way that, like an MRE, and those are fine, and then those are fine for people to have and, and even have maybe for every meal if you want, but you need to also incorporate some fresh raw element because 
that will give you the vitamins and the nutrients that exist in fresh, raw, natural food that you are not otherwise getting. So my answer to them was there are certain foods that you can carry that do not require refrigeration, especially in the winter when you can just have them in your vehicle for several days and it's not going to rot or spoil or burn up in the heat. So uh, cabbage is one, carrots are another, there are multiple melons that you can carry and if you are in the Southern California or Southern Arizona or New Mexico areas right now, you can easily get those. We had a watermelon for lunch the other day and it was extremely tasty just like they taste in the middle of summer. It came from Mexico and it was beautiful. So those do exist, they are possible, and you can do it even without a fridge. But for us, a fridge is important because we do like to eat things that require refrigeration. I do like to have raw meat on available when I can and I like to carry, um, you know, half and half for the coffee and those sorts of things. So refrigeration is important, solar is important, and fixed solar is the way to go. So what else have I learned? I have learned that when I have shore power, I use my Dash Mini much more. When I have a private parking place with electrical connection, i.e. shore power, I can use that much more. And I can use my Instant Pot much more. When I am boondocking, the propane stove is the way to go. Except today, we did go ahead and use the battery for the Instant Pot, and we have made, um, well, <laughs> we've made a pot of beans, and we used ground beef in them, and we soaked the beans for a while before we cooked them, and the Instant Pot is a pressure cooker, so you do not have to soak beans overnight. You can just put them in the pressure cooker and cook them right up. So that's been good. That device takes about 30% of my charge away from my battery. So this being Saturday and there not being a library open on Sunday, I know that I have to get through Sunday and into Monday before I can charge with a wall outlet again. Or like I did last weekend, I have to go to a restaurant buy a meal and charge while I wait. In Quartzsite, let me tell you, there is a premium <laughs> on electrical connections. They don't exist very everywhere. They, they, they don't exist very um, prevalently in this town. A lot of the places where they used to be available have actually closed them up. They have put caps over the front where you cannot plug into their electrical outlets. I was told at one business that that was because the fire department told them that they could not have all of those outlets available for people to be using. And I was told at another business that it was because one of their outlets somehow, well, a person's laptop died, i.e. it got fried while they were hooked up to that connection and they blamed the business owner. They sued the business owner in small claims court. The business owner won the lawsuit, so there was no proof that that 
connection caused the problem to the person's laptop. But what that person did is ruin the connections there in that business for everyone else for all time because he closed up every single one of his electrical outlets and he no longer allows any hookup there at all of any type. So there's another business down. I was told that the McDonald's had hookups and I was going to go there even though I do not eat McDonald's and I talked to another local and they said, nope, the McDonald's also closed up all of their electrical connections and there are no connections there either. So just know that when you are going places, there are times when you can't find an electrical outlet anywhere and uh, the library is it. And so if the library is closed all weekend, you have to plan accordingly. And we just used 30% of the battery power to do this pot of beans, but we planned for it. And tomorrow, if there, uh, if the clouds clear, today it's extremely overcast. Today was not a good day for uh, solar replenishment on the battery so we are at 50% now on the battery and if tomorrow is not a good Sunday haha <laughs> Sunday uh, because it will be a Sunday if there is not a lot of uh, strong Sun tomorrow then we'll have to do something else by Monday but we can get through till Monday on 50% power and so that is um, you know you just have to adjust you have to plan for these things and you have to know what your equipment can do so um, lastly I guess I want to say that we've really enjoyed exploring quartzite uh, we came for rubber tramp rendezvous which was the 16th through the 23rd and um, that was our first time going to that gathering and it was it was okay um, I, you know if you were coming from really far away many many states away I know that there is a podcaster who lives in Chicago who was considering coming and ended up not being able to come I would have said you didn't miss that much this year uh, I really want to thank the volunteers I spoke with a couple and they were extremely nice and they really gave up a lot of their time they didn't get to enjoy some of what was offered there because they were spending all of their time volunteering but this year it was at a park and not at BLM land and so there was no camping directly at the RTR this year I understand that some of the people attending RTR did camp together in groups at various spots but I was not in one of those places I was lucky enough that someone from my Facebook group also came to the area for RTR and they came and camped near us and it was great. We got to share food, we got to share camp, uh, campfire, um, we got to share, you know, just um, hanging out for a few days and that was very nice and I was really glad we got to do that. But the RTR itself. Uh, for me, Saturday was really the only day that I found it really worth spending my time there. Um, the positive parts were there is a free pile, and I actually brought several things and donated them to the free pile, and that was great because I needed to get rid of a few things, and if other people can use them, I think that's marvelous. 
there were bulletin boards if people needed something or if people were offering something. There was a very robust um, physical paper bulletin board system there that people could um, put up notices and get what they needed or give what they were offering. Uh, so those were good things. Um, you know, there was the raffling of, of Bob Wells' van, and that was great too, but um, most of the time was just sitting on the lawn listening to question and answers or lectures or informational speaking. And while those things are valuable, and I think it was nice that they do offer those things for people who really need that assistance, uh, so many people found it really boring and came and left. Uh, they came, they said, mm, no, that's not worth spending all of my time for because there was no real interaction between the nomads, among the nomads. There was no getting to know people. There was no sitting around and chit-chatting. It was all facing toward the stage, listening to people talk on the microphone, and it was question and answer for hours. Um, that did not really do it for me. The reason I say Saturday was the best day was because there were 40 to 60 vans on display in open house, open style, and we could go and look at all the different builds and all the different ways that people are using their vehicles and the way they've outfitted them and the way they've built them and the way they do food storage. Oh, it was so great. There were minivans that were so well outfitted and they used the stow and go storage area where a seat used to fold down into this well in their vehicle, which is called the stow and go area for basement pantry storage. It was amazing. And uh, I saw people with full shelves of food and dried food and canned food and all the different ways that people set up their kitchens and cook indoors and cook outdoors. And it was amazing. It was wonderful. I met several really interesting people. I made some, you know, nice connections. I had my van life pantry stickers with me and I got you know several requests for those and so I got to give some of my stickers to people and that was super fun and that was just an enjoyable few hours of the day so for me the best part of RTR was Saturday van viewing day and the rest of it eh, it was you know like I said it, it, it was useful for some people the information wasn't what I found wasn't um, something that you couldn't really just Google. Uh, people were asking questions that they could easily find the answers to by putting in a search on their phone and the answer would come up. Like, what businesses exist in that area of whatever city they're talking about for dog boarding or for cat boarding? Well, you know, you can Google that. Um, so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the time to sit and listen to. <laughs> Much like for people, this might not be worth the time to listen to because I'm not telling you anything that you can't Google. So I don't know. I guess it's just about whether you feel like um, it's worth your time to listen. And uh, for me, the RTR wasn't about that. The RTR for me was about seeing people's setups, talking about the lifestyle, talking about the setups, sharing information about what you did in your build and how, you know, I might change mine and all of that. And I didn't see a lot of that going on 
except on Saturday. So anyway, that's what we came to town for, and um, it was good. I counted as a win. I got to uh, in, enjoy an RTR, and I got to meet people, and I got to see what it was all about and what happens there. And um, the next day was a rainy day, and we got to sit indoors a lot in our van and um, eat in a restaurant because we didn't really want to cook outside when it was going to rain. And it looks, again, like it's going to rain today, and we are on the tail end of our time here. So we are now planning for the possibility of another couple of different cities that we're thinking about going to next. So um, it's been great and we've done all kinds of food and I know I didn't share much about what food we did cook this time, but I, I just wanted to share about the experience, about dispersed camping, about what power methods you need for that. <laughs> the friend who came and parked with us for a few days had an amazing setup, a beautiful van, and lots and lots of power available, and fixed solar with, you know, light switches that turn on in the van. Amazing. I don't have lighting in here that is like that yet because we have not done a build-build. We have just done, you know, put a bed in it and make it a camper and go. Um, so that was wonderful to see, and um, we don't have that kind of power. So I just wanted to, you know, discuss uh, the power needs that people might have, and that is really a big piece of this, because the more power you have, the more you can boondock and go places that I cannot currently go. Um, and the more you do this, the more you learn how absolutely precious the power is and how dear it is and how it is really hard to come by in little bits and drabs. And, um, you know, so that's actually, I, I count that a win too. That is a learning experience that I think maybe everyone should have. Everyone should know how dear electricity or power is. And we get so used to, in our house, just flip the switch and we pay for electricity to come to that building every month all the time and you don't really have to think about it but when you are out and about and you find out that there's not much to do after dark because you don't want to waste your battery power and you don't have fixed solar and so you can't just easily regenerate enough it changes what you do in an evening it changes how you spend your time it changes your circadian rhythm waking and sleeping um times and um you know, that's maybe not a bad thing. It slows you down. It, it makes you really think. It makes you spend more time maybe in um, fellowship with your fellow human, humans, whom, whomever those happen to be. And, um, you know, it just gives you a different perspective about what power means and what it offers us and how it changes the ease or the dis-ease of life. Um, so, you know, I, I think all of the experiences are positive in that they are all learning experiences. You know, the difficulties are that the desert is dusty and you can have your shower and a half hour later you're still feeling dusty. Um, but that's okay because that's, you know, that's winter in the desert. The trade-off is you can be in a tank top at noon because it's too warm to wear anything else. And then, in, you know, at night, it's getting to 38 degrees and you need your jacket and you need your blankets and, 
um, that's all good too. And you can have the campfire in the evening and, um, you know, so, uh, life in the desert in the winter is, I think a pretty good way to go. Um, so I plan to share more and I will check back in at, you know, another time. I, as always, will endeavor to do a weekly podcast. And as always, I may end up <laughs> doing one once every two weeks or once a month. Um, but you know, it's a slice of the life. I just want to share a slice of the life. It, it It's different for everyone. And I see people around, all around me here at the BLM camping. And there are people with gorgeous setups and beautiful vans and expensive fifth wheels and class A motorhomes and they have all the lights and they run um, all multicolored LEDs at night and they drive these expensive desert off-road dune buggy vehicles and it is so much fun to watch. It is so much fun to see the variety of people who live part-time or full-time nomadic whether they be retired or working remotely or whatever it is they do. Some people actually don't even work remotely. They're weekend warriors or they uh, go to drive to work from here um, if they live close enough. Well, or if they live full-time, they're driving to work from here if they work close enough. It's an amazing experience. And I think for me, for now, as I've said, it's worth the trade-off. The freedom, the experience, the adventure. Um, and I've gotten to see some of you now on down the road. And I hope to see some more of you on down the road as the days progress and this adventure continues. Until then, I hope you are eating well. I hope you have enough power. I hope your solar is keeping you in good stead. I hope you have enough battery power to get through. And if you don't have refrigeration, I hope you are finding ways to carry and eat fresh raw food and incorporate it into your meals. So until next time, I hope to see you on down the road. <laughs>